0: Do you feel
1: that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now,
2: here's the show. Hello. Welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy Hewitt, Nutritional Therapist. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt-PharmD and we're wondering
3: how many of you are out there sitting right now with a Diet Coke in your hand. And I'm asking because we're going to be talking about NutraSweet today and learning some really, really fascinating information about this food additive that's just so incredibly widely used. And for you, you might think that this doesn't affect you as maybe you say, well, I drink Diet Coke every day, actually multiple times a day, and I don't get any reactions from it. So you might think that it's not affecting you. And that's actually quite a normal reaction that people have who drink these sorts of things every day. In fact, most people don't notice an immediate reaction when they have NutraSweet or Aspartame. But what you need to know is that aspartame or NutraSweet creates long-term damage. And it appears to cause slow and silent damage. Now, some people are actually lucky enough to experience some more rare, immediate side effects. And those are lucky people because if you would have something, say, like a Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi or Crystallite or something with NutraSweet... And you get a reaction to it, then you would stay away from it because you don't like having those reactions. But for the rest of us that don't experience those immediate effects, we would probably never think to associate diet drinks or aspartame with any of our current health troubles. Now it can take one year, five years, 10, or even 40 years. But aspartame seems to cause some reversible and also some irreversible changes in people's health with long-term use. And some of these changes are actually quite profound. And maybe you don't consume aspartame at all. So you think, well, This isn't going to apply to me because I don't like those artificial sweeteners and I don't use those. But it's likely that somebody close to you does use these. And you'll learn today some life-changing facts about this substance. And who knows, you might just share it with somebody who really needs to know this information. Aspartame is the name that's used for these kinds of products. If you see on the package, it says NutraSweet or Equal, Benevia, or equal measure. And it's an artificial sweetener that was actually discovered in 1965 on accident when G. D. Searle Chemists, which is a pharmaceutical company, those chemists were working on developing a new drug at the pharmaceutical company and found that this this actually tasted sweet. And oh, wow. so they Exactly. I don't know that people know that fact. And when aspartame came up for approval in 1974, so let's just back up. It was actually discovered in 1965. Then it came up for approval in 1974. There was a neuroscience researcher and a consumer attorney who filed objections and requested further investigation. So those objections and investigations delayed the approval of aspartame until 1981. So that was six years later. Is that right? Seven years later. Seven years later. And aspartame then was approved for dry goods in 1981 and then for sodas and drinks in 1983. Now, interestingly, the commissioner who approved the use of aspartame in carbonated beverages in the 1983, uh, that person left his position and took up a new job working with G.D. Searle's public relations firm. It's interesting how these people kind of travel around.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. And, and in
3: 1985, Monsanto bought G.D. Searle and took ownership of Aspartame. Hmm. By 1985, Monsanto's Nutrasweet Corporation had cranked out over 400,000 tons. Of aspartame. Now, that's a lot because, you know, if you ever see that in the packet, it's very, very, very tiny amount because it's so super sweet. So 400,000 tons of aspartame is a lot. And it was, in fact, over in over 9,000 foods by 1997 and on nearly every restaurant table, even in countries like New Zealand. Now aspartame or NutraSweet, is found in much more than Diet Coke. You can find it, of course, in all the other soft drinks. But listen to this, it's also in protein powder. So these are foods that you might really not know that aspartame is in these. And so at the beginning of the show, you might think, well, I don't drink Diet Pop because I think it tastes awful or I get side effects. But maybe you're working on being healthy, and you've got some protein powder, and lots of those have aspartame. Same with the meal replacement powders and protein bars, yogurt, um, the Dan and yogurt especially, that's that Activa, that has aspartame in it, chewing gum, sugarless gum, uh, sugarless candy, and now kids' chewable multivitamins like the Flintstone vitamins have aspartame in them. Ketchup. Ketchup. Salad dressing, tabletop sweetener, but also in ice cream, iced teas, cocoa mix, fruit and vegetable juices, breath mints, toothpaste, low-calorie diet or sugarless foods, flavoring syrups for coffees, and the flavored waters. Lots of Weight Watchers products have aspartame in them barbecue sauce, maple syrup, fruit spreads, jelly, jam, chocolate syrup. And be careful because you'll also find it in many chewable over-the-counter medications. Often those are ones that you would give to children because they're chewable and they have aspartame in them. So we can see that just because you don't drink Diet Coke, you could easily be getting aspartame into your body. And now you might wonder, what's the big deal here? Um, NutraSweet is a sugar substitute that it should be helpful in assisting people to lose weight, right? And we know that Americans are overweight, so you think, well, sugar substitutes should really be a great thing because that's a way to get off of sugar and for people to start losing some of that excess body fat. And we would think it's good. So why are we even talking about it? Well, first, we'll learn that, in fact... No, aspartame does not help people eat less and lose weight. And in in fact, there's lots of evidence that shows quite the opposite. And worse than that, aspartame consumer complaints accounted for over 75% of all adverse reactions to foods reported to the Food and Drug Administration of the FDA in 1994. That was right after, a couple years after it was approved to be put into soft drinks, Now, some of these reactions have been very, very severe, including seizures and even reports of death. And more commonly, people report uh, more and more of these side effects. And over 90 different adverse reactions have been reported. Now, 90. So, imagine writing down adverse reactions, and you put 90 words on the page. That's a lot of different adverse reactions. And the most common ones that were reported and still are reported are headaches, migraines, dizziness, seizures, nausea, numbness muscle spasms, weight gain, rashes, depression, anxiety, fatigue, irritability, racing heart, insomnia, vision problems, hearing loss, heart palpitations, breathing difficulties, anxiety attacks, slurred speech like I'm having right now, loss of taste, tinnitus, vertigo, memory loss, and joint pain. Now, that was a list of Uh, I didn't count them, but maybe 20 side effects. That's 20 out of 90 different side effects that people have been reporting at a very, very, very high rate. And in fact, the FDA did nothing to respond to these complaints. And instead, they made it appear as if they were listening to people when receiving these reports and complaints, But what they instead did is they collected all the statements from the researchers showing physical harm from aspartame, but they did absolutely nothing and they didn't respond. And instead of listening to the reports from the researchers, the FDA not only didn't listen, but they denigrated and made these scientists look foolish in front of their peers. And the FDA called these researchers that they had been conducting junk science So it was uh, quite a negative negative atmosphere in terms of all these side effects were reported. But um, rather than responding and looking into these issues, um, it sounds like the FDA really put down these researchers for even bringing this up in the first place. And reports from consumers would sound like this. They'd say things like, whenever I have food with aspartame, I get headaches or I lose my balance. And then when I don't have the aspartame, I don't have any of these symptoms. So these consumers are trying themselves on the aspartame and off and reporting, I I really think this is the aspartame because when I don't have it, I don't have these symptoms. And the consumers would call the FDA and they would ask for more information on aspartame because they were noticing these symptoms. But they were told by the FDA that there's no connection whatsoever between NutraSweet or aspartame and any sorts of these side effects. There were so many of these complaints that the FDA got tired of hearing all of them. And instead of referring these complaints and calls to an appropriate call center, they set up a separate hotline and didn't respond or do anything with these calls at all. So the FDA received all this data from the general public and did absolutely nothing with it. And they're all complaints about the adverse reactions to aspartame. But it goes further than this. It's it's not just that people would get side effects, such as I take in aspartame and now I get a headache. That would be like an acute reaction that I was talking about before, that, that that's actually the less common problem of what happens with aspartame with people's consumption of it. It's um, actually been found that aspartame triggers or worsens a variety of conditions that would either not ever appear at all in a person's life or that those conditions would appear as a mild version. And we see that researchers and physicians studying the adverse effects of aspartame have found that brain tumors, I mean these are really serious things, brain tumors, multiple sclerosis or MS, epilepsy and seizures, lupus, chronic fatigue, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, mental retardation, lymphoma, birth, birth defects and fibromyalgia, Lyme's disease, attention deficit, panic disorder and diabetes can all be worsened or triggered by aspartame consumption. Not only that, but aspartame can mimic some of these conditions to the extent that the person doesn't even have the condition at all, but is dealing with adverse reactions from aspartame. For instance, you may have a genetic predisposition for MS. And you may even have some MS lesions, but you have absolutely no symptoms at all, and you have no idea that you even have it. And in fact, it's been found that a certain percentage of people do have these lesions on autopsy, these lesions that indicate MS on autopsy, but they've never had any symptoms at all. And this is actually the case, in fact, with many conditions okay, say that you have that predisposition. Now you take in aspartame and you trigger the MS. So it wasn't that the aspartame was the original cause of the MS. It means that the aspartame triggered that disease process. (coughs) And another example here would be something called Graves' disease. And Graves' is where your thyroid is running way too fast. And you might notice you get palpitations, after a while, your eyes start to bulge, you can't sleep, lots of anxiety. This, this is not a condition that's comfortable or easy to deal with for even a few hours at a time. And in fact, aspartame can mimic all of these symptoms of Graves' disease. <clears throat> and so we can see that rather than taking your thyroid gland out, which is what would happen if you have Graves, or you might be taking medications to suppress it, that that person would be better off to remove the aspartame and then see the symptoms disappear altogether. So with the Graves' disease, it's an example where aspartame can mimic a disease. It didn't actually amplify it or triggered it. It mimicked it. It made it look like you have Graves' disease. But in fact, when you take the aspartame away, there's nothing at all wrong with your thyroid and you don't have that disease condition at all. So the idea is that aspartame, it can do these three big deal things. And one, it can mimic a disease condition. So we just talked about that with the Graves' disease. It makes it look like you have something when you really don't have it. Now two, aspartame can trigger disease states that would otherwise not have expressed themselves at all. And that would be that example of triggering something like MS that you have a predisposition for, but you're not experiencing any bit of MS at all. But when you take in aspartame, it actually triggers the MS to express itself. So it's not mimicking it. it It's actually triggering the MS that was caused by some other reason. And then the third one is that aspartame can amplify or worsen existing disease states. So those could be anything Um, Any of those diseases that I was listing up above, like diabetes or mental retardation or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, maybe you already have that disease state, but it's at a very, very mild level, level for you. And when you take in aspartame, it only makes it worse. So let's talk about how this can happen and what the mechanism is going on with aspartame that gives it this enormous power to wreak havoc on so many people's health. So we'll start with a little bit of chemistry. Aspartame, it's made up of three different chemicals, aspartic acid, phenylalanine, and methanol. And aspartic acid and phenylalanine are amino acids. And those amino acids by themselves, just just like that, really aren't a big deal and they're not super harmful uh, for most people. But it's what happens to them when you get those in larger amounts in your body or after that they start to metabolize. So the aspartic acid and phenylalanine are amino acids and then methanol, as you know, that's a form of alcohol. And as it turns out, each of these molecules presents a problem and contributes to the health problems that people suffer when they're using aspartame. So let's start with the aspartic acid issue. So aspartic acid is important in aspartame. You can see the words aspartame and aspartic acid. So the name we can see came right from aspartic acid. And aspartic acid makes up 40% of the aspartame. So that's a sizable amount. And the important part here is knowing that aspartic acid is actually an excitatory amino acid. Now, for those who've taken our nutrition series, we've talked extensively about the glutamate-gaba issue in the brain. And I'll catch up everyone on this right now so we can all get on the same page. So if you think about your brain right now, and I'm going to really simplify this. It's actually a little bit more complicated, but just to make it simple for everybody, if you think about your brain, one of the things your brain contains is two neurotransmitters. And then some receptors for each. And we have glutamate and we have GABA. And they're both neurotransmitters. The glutamate is the excitatory one and the GABA is going to be the calming one. And we need both. They're both actually very, very good. So there's not a bad one and a good one. We need both. And when we're in balance, a person's going to feel good. And what I mean by that is you feel satisfied, calm, able to think clearly, And stay alert and pay attention easily. So just think of that calm and satisfied, thinking clearly. And you're going to stay that way as we move to our break.
2: Remember, we're taking callers. We want to hear your questions or comments. We'll be back soon.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Galler We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Opinions,
1: options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at one 472 5792 That's one 472 5792 Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show.
2: Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm Lucy, and I'm here with Jeannie today. Let's continue our discussion.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, is everybody still feeling satisfied and calm and able to think clearly and stay alert and pay attention? So we're back. Yeah, we're back talking about the glutamate and the GABA, so remembering that those are both neurotransmitters, and and I'm talking about they act in the brain, but realistically, they, they actually act throughout the body and have a number of different receptors, and that the glutamate is the excitatory one, and the GABA is going to be the calming one, and when we have a balance, everything is going to work out great. And the glutamate and GABA come from the metabolism of various amino acids that you get in your food and various metabolic um, byproducts from all kinds of different processes in your body. And so your body has a choice to transform these amino acids to either glutamate or GABA or both through various different pathways. And why I'm bringing this up is because we often get way out of balance and produce way too much glutamate at the expense of GABA. And too much glutamate leads to a continuum of problems. I say a continuum because you can't just say it goes bam right into this one problem. It leads to something that's mild and then a little more moderate and severe all the way to something very, very severe. And what this excess glutamate starts with is mild anxiety that somebody would feel and if you were experiencing this, you would not even notice that you have any sort of medical problem or anxiety disorder. Instead, you would just notice that you feel like you've got kind of a short fuse or you get irritated with other people kind of quickly. And you, you just kind of think it's part of who you are and part of your personality. And it's very, very easy to not really notice this, that it's actually a chemical problem that you've got going on here. And you feel on edge, now, if if this continues and you get more glutamate excitation, and, th- and what I'm talking about is, is it excites your nerves. So um, you can imagine just kind of nerves starting to get very, very excited, eventually getting on fire. And that next stage is more and more anxiety. Then it starts to interfere with your work and your relationships to the point where you might even be seeking medication to control it. We know that... Hundreds of thousands of people in our country are taking medications for this very issue right here. So this is this it, this applies to many many people. And if it doesn't apply to you, if you look around, it applies to people that are around you. Now the next stage, if you're not going to start fixing this at this point and it's allowed to progress, the next stage could be seizures. And in fact, seizure medications are GABA facilitators, and they're also glutamate blockers. And so this isn't like some outside idea. The whole medical profession and drug companies know that seizures come from this too much of the nerve excitation from excess glutamate. And once you do have seizures, you know that you've got a glutamate excess problem going on. Now it goes it gets worse from here. The next step is actually the nerves die, nerve death you have glutamate receptors on your nerves and you start to demyelinate your nerves. So that myelin is uh, kind of like a nice coating around your nerves. That glutamate starts to wreck the myelin and eat it up. So this nice myelin sheath or coating that's around your nerves starts to disappear. People start to get symptoms of tingling and burning and inability to contract your muscles or control muscle movement and experience muscle weakness as the nerve is being destroyed. This is clearly a sign that the glutamate is out of control. And why would this happen? One reason is your body is choosing to make glutamate instead of the calming GABA. And why would that be So we're taking a little bit of a foray out of aspartame for a little bit. But aspartame, I'm going to wind it back in. And you'll see that this aspartic acid, it's also excitatory, just like glutamate. So when I'm talking about the glutamate and the GABA, you can just overlay this with aspartic acid, which is also an excitatory neurotransmitter. So they follow along the same pathway. So let's just wonder about why this is happening, why your body decides that you're going to seem to have excess glutamate and not enough of the calming GABA. It's important to know that to make GABA, you need magnesium, vitamin B6, and taurine. Now, if you talk to anybody who knows something about taurine, they're going to say, yeah, that's not a non-issue because your body makes taurine. That's absolutely true. Your body, that's where you get your source of taurine, your body makes it. But you need to have magnesium in good quantities in your body in order for your body to make the taurine. So why is almost everyone magnesium deficient? This is a topic that we've discussed extensively in past shows. And in fact, we've, we did five weeks on magnesium alone. But in a nutshell, in case you didn't listen to those ones, in a nutshell, these are the reasons people are depleted in magnesium. And there's a number of reasons. One, eating sugar depletes magnesium. Our soil is severely deficient and depleted in magnesium. So our food is not the source of magnesium that it once was years ago. Three, our digestion is weak because many of us eat on the run. We don't chew our food. We have undigested or poorly digested food on a regular basis that's sitting in our stomachs. It's fermenting and putrefying rather than absorbing those nutrients such as magnesium. Four, Anyone taking acid blockers like Prilosec or any in that same class, you're not absorbing magnesium because you don't have acid in your stomach. You need to have acid in your stomach so that you can absorb the, 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 at least a small amount of magnesium that you're getting in your food and if you're taking any magnesium supplements. Five, the biggest reason by far is that stress depletes magnesium. And what I'm talking about here is the external stress, like life situations and our busy schedules and negative thoughts, but it also includes, and this can even be bigger, it includes the internal stresses in our bodies that we might not know about. Those would be things like if you have your adrenals that aren't working properly, if you're dealing with leaky gut If you're dealing with constant and chronic immune responses, inflammation, thyroid dysfunction, parasites, bacteria, and yeast overgrowth in the gut, liver and gallbladder problems, and high amounts of free radicals or oxidative stress. So this is huge. We're all dealing with stress, both the internal and the external stress. And when we have this stress, uh, just by virtue of your body trying to make the stress hormones so we can deal with this, uh, you're using up a lot of magnesium and depleting yourself. Another example of internal stress would be somebody that's dealing with cancer or anybody who is taking prescription drugs. That's, that. Those are, ha- those are having to be detoxified by your liver and metabolized. That's another source of stress. So those internal stresses seriously deplete our magnesium levels. And those are the magnesium levels that are found inside of your cell. We're not talking about a serum magnesium level. So don't even think about going to get your blood checked and checking a serum magnesium level and thinking that you're fine because we know that less than 1% of your magnesium is actually found in the serum. So that's not a good way of measuring it. We're talking about the magnesium that needs to be found inside of your cells. That's where it does its job. Now, we know that most people are not very serious about replacing their magnesium. And instead, they're depleting it with all of these stresses. And so it's extremely common to be low in magnesium that, um, that that magnesium has everything to do with helping your body to make GABA, more GABA and less glutamate. So if you just choose one reason that you're going to improve your magnesium status, it would be so that your body can start to make more GABA. And once you've got the magnesium, your body's going to be able to make that taurine as well. Now, I mentioned B6 is also necessary in order to make GABA. And B6, vitamin B6 is depleted in people who are taking those acid blockers because remember, if you're taking an acid blocker like Prilosec or Prevacet or any of those, you don't have acid in your stomach. So you're not able to break those vitamins apart or the minerals and actually absorb those. Now, women on birth control pills are also going to be B6 deficient as well. So that includes a lot of people, people on acid blockers, people on birth control, low in B6. So then you're going to have trouble making GABA and you're going to tend towards these excitatory neurotransmitters of glutamate. So... Um, This problem that we find, it's so amazingly common that of all of the supplements that we have here in the studio, I think one of our very best-selling ones is something called Trancor, and that Trancor is a combination of magnesium, taurine, and B6, and if you're one of these people that's pushing towards glutamate, not making the GABA, this can uh, totally turn your life around, and you will feel like you've got actually a new personality, uh, we, we hear this from people in the studio on almost a daily yeah. basis. Yeah,
2: all the time.
3: And it's it's important to note here that alcohol facilitates GABA. So people that are low uh, in GABA, they often grab it, gravitate towards drinking to feel better and feel more calm. So you just might think well, I just really like my wine and you don't really understand that what you're doing is you're just pushing GABA. You're just altering your brain chemistry. And I found that many people get tired of having to rely on the alcohol to feel good. And so the good news is once you learn how to facilitate GABA, you have more choices available in terms of who's in charge, you or the alcohol. So what does this have to do with aspartame? Well, Remember that aspartic acid is an excitatory amino acid. It's similar to MSG or monosodium glutamate. So there's that word glutamate. You can actually eat glutamate in your food. So now hopefully this has a new meaning to you once you learn about the GABA glutamate balance that you need to feel good. So too much aspartic acid acting as an excitatory neurotransmitter adds to this excitability, the anxiety, the seizures, and the neuron destruction. So both aspartate and glutamate act as neurotransmitters by assisting this your tr- nerves to transmit the information from one nerve to the next. And when you have too much aspartate or glutamate in the brain, Then this kills certain neurons by allowing the influx of too much calcium into the cells. So if this is just getting way too complicated, you can just ignore this part. But for those who are wondering how does this happen, it's at that aspartic acid and and glutamate, it, it allows too much calcium. When you get a lot of calcium in your cells, that's very excitatory. And so this influx of calcium triggers excessive amounts of free radicals. And when you have those free radicals, they actually go and kill the cell. So this nerve cell damage that can be caused by excessive aspartic acid and glutamate is why they're referred to as excitotoxins, because they excite or they stimulate the nerve cells to death, So it sounds pretty serious, and it really is for some people. it, It destroys people's lives, and this is very important information to pass on to people who are affected by this. Now, the excess glutamate and aspartate slowly begin to destroy neurons. So the key word here is slowly, as in you don't notice. Most, which is, I'm talking about 75% or more of nerve cells in a particular area of the brain are killed before you have any noticeable symptoms. So I'm just going to say that again. It takes over 75% of the nerve cells in an area of your brain to die before you even notice any symptoms. So, this goes back to this thing of going, you know, I know I drink 10 things of Diet Coke a day, but I don't notice any symptoms. Okay, so you go, do you want to wait until 75% of your nerve cells are actually damaged in your brain till you start to have some sort of side effect? You'd go, and this isn't something that just happens to some people. This is just this is what the aspartame actually does. Now, MS. ALS, memory loss, hormone problems, hearing loss, epilepsy and seizures, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, hypoglycemia and brain lesions. These are some of the disease conditions that could get worse from long-term exposure to these excitatory amino acids. On the other hand, remember, a person could have an acute reaction to aspartame. And those kinds of things would look like this, a headache, migraines. Some people get nausea or their belly hurts, abdominal pains, fatigue. And the fatigue happens because the aspartame aspartame blocks enough glucose entry into the brain. Sleep problems, vision problems, anxiety attacks, depression, and asthma or chest tightness. And one of the common complaints of people using aspartame is memory loss. So in summary, we learned that aspartic acid, which makes up 40% of aspartame, it acts as an excitatory neurotransmitter. And it's this excitation of the nerves that causes both the acute side effects, but also the slow, insidious degradation of nerves that can result in triggering or amplifying a disease condition that may have never, ever surfaced. Now we take a move on and we're going to talk about that next molecule, which is the methanol or methyl alcohol. And this methanol doesn't exist just free form. In aspartame, it's all—it's actually created when the phenylalanine in the NutraSweet is broken down. And phenylalanine as a regular amino acid normally does not contain the special methyl group. But to make the NutraSweet sweet, The phenylalanine has been chemically modified to carry this methyl group. And it's important for you to understand that this is a very weak bond. So what I mean by that is that that methyl group easily is released off of the phenylalanine. Sometimes you have really tight bonds and it's hard to break. Well, this one's a really weak bond. And it's really, really easily broken down to release the methanol. Now, methanol is also known as wood alcohol. So, if you heat wood up in a closed chamber and take the smoke, that contains a large amount of wood alcohol or methanol. Now, in humans, methanol is metabolized in a different way than in animals, and so, They did these early studies around 1900 in animals, and it showed that methanol was safe. Actually, it's more safe than ethanol. So instead of testing this in humans, the food companies started putting methanol in all kinds of things. They mostly use it in things like vanilla and flavoring extracts and in cough syrups. And so that was in the early 1900s. But doctors, as they were using these things, they used the cough syrups and these different flavoring extracts to make the kinds of drugs that they made back then. The doctors noticed that their patients were getting some pretty severe health problems. And so these doctors wrote a lot of articles over the next 40 years about the health problems they were seeing in these patients, including blindness and death. And they, re- they recommended that the food industry reevaluate the use of methanol in these products. so it's really been known for a very long time that methyl alcohol is metabolized differently in humans, and it contributes to a host of health problems if ingested. Now, it turns out that humans cannot convert methanol into the non-toxic metabolite known as um, as um i don't remember now so we're going we're going to come to that coming up next but what happens is that the methanol gets converted to formaldehyde so you take in the aspartame and that methanol group comes off and then it gets converted to formaldehyde which is toxic And the animals, this is what it is, formic acid. So the animals can convert the formaldehyde to formic acid and then just excrete it. And if humans could do that, then the methanol wouldn't be a problem. But humans don't have the ability to make that formic acid and just to excrete it. So what happens to this in our bodies? We're going to hear about that after we come back from our break.
2: Yep, we'll be back in just a moment.
1: opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness
4: how is your health do you want to know more about it every day there are new technologies procedures and healing techniques coming forward to understand them tune in to speaking of health with dr michael kudlis our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792 or send an email to info at com. Now, back to the show.
2: Hello, welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy and Jeannie, and let's continue our discussion. Yes, and we were talking about that formaldehyde
3: that forms after we've eaten aspartame. And the problem with the formaldehyde is that it travels, it can get right into your cells. And it creates trouble right inside that cell, like it can alter your DNA in the cell. And it acts on the other organelles, including your mitochondria, which those mitochondria are in charge of making energy for the cell and for your entire body. And so, it's this intracellular damage that creates these side effects from aspartame and also creates the amplification of other already existing disease states. So, it's not surprising that many of the side effects that people experience from ingesting aspartame have something to do with the blood vessels in the brain. And so, and why they have to do with the blood vessels and brain is because. That's where you have these enzymes that turn the methanol into the formaldehyde. They're mostly found in the blood vessels and then in your brain. And so that's why these side effects such as headaches, seizures, vision problems, hearing loss, slurred speech, loss of taste, vertigo, memory loss, those all have to do with the brain. And that's because we've got that formaldehyde that's forming in those blood vessels in the brain. Now, it's very, very interesting to note that ethanol, which is the alcohol that you would have in alcoholic drinks, that ethanol helps prevent the methanol from turning into formaldehyde. And even if you have a little bit of ethanol in your system, it helps prevent that conversion. And so this may possibly explain why small amounts of alcohol each day seem to have a protective effect against many diseases, including atherosclerosis and Alzheimer's. And many research believe that the benefit of this longer lifespan when you drink alcohol on a moderate basis is related to this issue of the ethanol preventing the formation of formaldehyde. And however, so you think, well, that's great, so I'm going to really up my drinking. But it's interesting to note here that your beneficial or your good bacteria and flora in the gut, they also produce a small amount of ethanol. So here is just another reason to focus on improving the condition of your gut flora by taking in the fermented and cultured foods and probiotics and avoiding the sugar that feeds the bad gut flora and yeast. And amazingly, because you might think, well, this shouldn't even be an issue because I don't have aspartame at all. But we're going to learn that there are a lot of other sources of methanol in our foods, and tobacco is one of those. Tobacco is fermented, and through the fermentation process that a bacteria is produced, which liberates the methanol from the pectin in the tobacco. And in fact, the methanol in a pack of cigarettes is about equal to the methanol in one liter of Diet Coke. Now, where else can we find Methanol. You'll find this fascinating. It's it's actually found in fruits and vegetables. But the difference here is that the methanol is bound to the pectin or the fiber that's in the fruits and vegetables. And so when we eat the fruit or vegetables, our bodies are not able to break the methanol off from the pectin because that's one of those real tight bonds. So in aspartame, it's a weak bond and it can just break it. But when it's bound to the pectin in fruits and vegetables, your body cannot break that down. And so you end up just um, excreting it and just pooping that right out of your system. And it's interesting point here that when the fruits and vegetables start to rot or spoil, and it's in the spoiling process that the methanol is split off from the pectins. So we're not out of the woods here. If you're eating nice, fresh fruits and vegetables that don't have any rotting or spoiling on them, that's, that methanol is going to be bound to the pectin. But once they start to rot or spoil, that methanol is going to split off from the pectins and it's in its free form. So it's this putrefaction that liberates the methanol. So be sure to avoid eating overripe fruits or vegetables. And if there's a spot on the produce that's rotten or overripe, we highly recommend cutting that part off. Now, It's going to be great, again, if you're going to be eating the unspoiled fruits and vegetables fresh out of the garden. And that's truthful for frozen as well. That's not going to be a problem. But that's not at all in the same classification as canned fruits and vegetables. So I was talking about rotting and spoiling ones, but it's a different story if they're canned. When these foods are canned, the methanol comes apart from the pectin and now you have the free methanol again that can be turned into formaldehyde. And if listen to this, this is I think this is fascinating. If the fruits or vegetables they're kept at room temperature, it only takes 1 month for 10% of the methanol to be released, but after 6 months virtually all the methanol is liberated. Now, a number of researchers are convinced that methanol and the subsequent conversion to formaldehyde from certain processed foods and foods containing aspartame is a major, major culprit in a variety of diseases, especially MS. Now, that methyl alcohol is able to travel right through your blood-brain barrier, and that's where it's converted into this formaldehyde where it causes the destruction of the myelin sheath. Remember, you have that nice protective coating around your nerves. So, this is a second mechanism of destroying nerves. First, we had the aspartic acid and the glutamate, and here we have the formaldehyde. Now, it's, it's known that methyl alcohol is a demyelinating agent. Now, it's not exactly clear exactly why, But a person will have the symptoms associated with demyelination, and what's interesting is that those symptoms are identical between MS, methanol poisoning, and people who consume aspartame. Again, I'm not going to read off or talk about all these symptoms here, but some of them, again, are ear buzzing, headaches, dizziness, shooting pains in the extremities, behavioral disturbances, neuritis, and these vision problems, blurring of vision, retinal damage, blindness... And formaldehyde is a known carcinogen that causes this eye damage and it interferes with the DNA replication and it can even cause the birth defects. So it's interesting to see that it's symptoms of MS, methanol poisoning, and aspartame consumption are the same symptoms. So for people who want to prevent MS or people who already deal with this issue or you're dealing with any other of these sorts of nerve type of issues, it would be wise to avoid these things, tobacco and cigarettes, any foods with aspartame. And we've been talking about which foods those are. So you would know what those are by now, but be sure to read the package labels. Avoid fruits and vegetables, including juices in cans. Those would be canned ones. Including juices in cans, bottles, or those drink boxes. Anything canned. Canning the fruits increases the methanol by huge amounts compared to the fresh fruits and veggies. We don't recommend anyone drink fruit juice anyway because of the sugar content. However, if you're going to decide to have it anyway, then squeeze it fresh and drink it right away. You know, we squeeze that juice fresh. So if you're going to decide to have that fruit juice, squeeze it fresh and drink it right away. So it contains the live enzymes, bacteria, and yeast, and it contains little or no methanol at all. And freezing is going to be the only safe way to preserve these foods. Now, you'd also want to avoid smoked meat and fish. Chewing gum with aspartame and fruit schnapps. So that fruit schnapps is actually made by fermenting this fruit. So this is going to be super high in methanol. Jellies and jams and marmalades that are not made fresh. So if you really want those foods, make them fresh and don't eat them canned. This other one, overly ripe or near rotting fruits. So you would think, why would anyone eat rotting fruits? Well, think if you're somebody that likes very ripe bananas, you might want to change that practice. Now, there's two other fruits that actually, if you ate those fresh, they're very high in methanol, and that would be black currants and tomatoes. So anyone trying to avoid these problems would want to avoid drinking black currant juice in addition to eating them raw, especially for people that are having trouble already with methanol toxicity symptoms. And then this issue with tomatoes. Eating a few slices of tomatoes is not going to be a problem. Now, it could be a problem if you do have MS or you have Parkinson's or any of those other nerve problems. So those people may not want to even eat any of those raw tomatoes, For people not dealing with those symptoms, a few slices of tomatoes aren't going to cause a problem. But the way that you would eat tomatoes, if you want to avoid the methanol, is to cook tomato sauce for over three hours with the lid off. And that way you're going to actually just burn and cook off, burn and cook off the methanol. So go ahead and have tomato sauce. If it, if it agrees with you, just cook it for over three hours with the lid off. Now, you can find more information about this issue of methanol and aspartame and disease states such as MS and Parkinson's and more of those disease states at this website. It's called wildsciencesleeps.com. And then there's also a corresponding book that's written by Professor Woodrow Monty, who is a PhD in nutrition. And we're starting to come to a close in our show. And we didn't get to the other issues with aspartame, which is a direct problem with a phenylalanine for some people. And then also the fact that consumption of NutraSweet actually does not help people with cravings and weight loss at all. And in fact, it does Quite the opposite. But that's going to be a topic for another show. So before we close, let's just review a few of the things that we learned today about aspartame. One, we learned that aspartame can mimic diseases such as Graves' disease. That's that overactive thyroid disease. It can mimic that and it can mimic MS. The consumption of aspartame can make it look like you have that disease, but you actually don't have it at all. The symptoms are being caused by the aspartame. Now, two, we learned that aspartame consumption can trigger, it triggers a disease state to express itself when otherwise that disease would remain silent and you wouldn't have any symptoms or problems at all. And remember that it's not that aspartame causes the disease, it's that it triggers it to appear. And three, we learned that aspartame can cause the disease state to worsen. This would be if you already have that disease, and maybe it's in a mild or moderate form, but taking an aspartame increases the symptoms, and it progresses the disease state. Now, I'm going to just emphasize it's so important to not mix up these points and indicate that aspartame causes MS or that it causes Parkinson's disease or causes Alzheimer's or anything else. Remember, it's three things. It mimics, amplifies, and triggers. It doesn't cause. We also learned that aspartic acid that's in the aspartame, it's an excitatory neurotransmitter and it can excite so much to the point that it damages the nerve itself and can even kill the nerve. And this is where seizures come from. It's also where anything that involves damage to the neurons comes in. We also learned that aspartame releases methanol or methyl alcohol, which is turned into formaldehyde. And then the formaldehyde moves into our cells where it creates troubles with the DNA and with the uh, mitochondria, which make our ATP and energy. This happens especially inside blood vessels and especially those inside the brain. And that's why we get these symptoms associated with the brain, like headache, vision, hearing problems, balance, trouble, thinking problems, and more. And we learn that you can also get methanol in canned fruits and vegetables, You can get those in canned fruit juice, in smoked meats and fish, in cigarettes, fruit schnapps, and a raw tomato sauce that hasn't been simmered for over three hours without the the lid on and in black currants. So what we're going to do is challenge everybody who is listening to go without aspartame for the next 30 days. Read your labels and don't eat it if it contains aspartame. And for those dealing with MS or Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, attention deficit, or any other nerve or brain trouble, try the food guidelines I just outlined. And in fact, add MSG to that list. MSG is in a very similar category. And if you eliminate aspartame but not MSG, you may not address the whole issue. So we encourage you to go ahead and try it for 30 days, see how you feel, and then talk to us. send us an email. And Lucy, what is our email here?
2: Yeah, it's info at or you can go to our blog, and we're actually going to be having a new recipe going up soon for the slow simmered tomato sauce, everyone's favorite. So that fits into this topic.
3: That's, that's absolutely great and terrific. And we'd also like to let you know that we're planning to start offering our six week nutrition series webinar style. So we can reach out to people who are not physically at the studio. And so yeah, absolutely. And so we'd like to hear from you if you'd be interested
2: in this program. So again, contact us at that email. And Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back on the show next week. I'm Lucy, along with Jeannie. That's our show.
1: Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a
2: healthy life ahead.